The following talk cast was recorded live, just like me. Exterminate. Computer status report. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. No! Please hold for the doctor. Doctor will be right with you. sound means what it means is tonight live from the seventh circle of hell shellfish buffet in the hard rock hotel and casino in area 51 welcome to the june 12 to 2010 edition of sci-fi saturday night i am the dome joining tonight's talk cast from the alston brighton hellmouth outside of boston welcome kriana hello how you feeling hon eh eh Better than this morning. Yeah. <laughs> From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, remembering that in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Illustrator X. <laughs> Dome, we've got a thing that's called radar love. We've got a line in the sky. Oh, my. And we're missing the dead redhead tonight. She is out gallivanting. Yes, so uh, she has graciously agreed to bring her mother a thousand miles away from here tonight, but uh, hopefully they're business. <laughs> Hopefully the two of them are listening out in uh, Uniontown, PA, and Mr. Washi and the gang, if you're all listening, shout out to all you. Rocket Jawaka from Erie, Indiana, our caffeine-addicted Midwest editor, Awake by Java. Konnichiwa. Ah, konnichiwa, mo sanista. Tonight, Alanis Morissette talks about a new album, Dick Cavett reminisces about Isaac Hayes, and live in our third hour from Brighton Commons UK, the incredible string band, or not. Actually, it's what? Sci-Fi Saturday. <laughs> I don't know. I just figured I'd throw that in there. See what's happening. <laughs> Our guests in the second half hour, Radia Albinson and Jackie Musto of Silver Circle Movies. And we're going to be talking to them. And Jackie, are you with us? I sure am. Hey, Jackie's going to be with us for the full hour, lending her dulcet tones and opinions wherever she feels she wants to just drop right in. Oh, flattery will get you everywhere. Ah, that was the whole thought behind that one. <laughs> oh, hey, it's been an interesting week, guys. Uh, actually, it was an interesting show last week. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. We had fun. Um, I got to tell you, uh, uh, I have had more fun watching uh, 664. <laughs> Neighbor of the Beast. Then I had ever imagined. I've been watching them over and over again, and I've turned on a bunch of uh, friends at work to it too. It was very funny on Thursday afternoon during lunch hour watching it stream on about half a dozen computers in the office. Uh, but I wanted to thank them for uh, coming on, George, and uh, telling that we had a wonderful time, and uh, we're working towards putting together a workshop with him at GraniteCon for next year. What else has happened this week? Java. Oh, my gosh. So much stuff going on this week. Um, well, you know, why don't we lead off with one of the, the most exciting things, um, in my estimation. It, and I know that not everybody has the same feelings towards Neuromancer, but uh, according to... Um, various movie studios they have an official release uh, planned and they've got a director on uh, all ready to go and that, that director is Vincenzo Natale, the guy who just recently did the movie Splice which has gotten mixed reviews in Hollywood um, but it's really exciting to hear that he has the same kind of uh, feeling towards Neuromancer that he had towards the idea of Splice and that is that uh, 
he, he viewed splice as a way to explore the idea of us changing our bodies, and he views neuromancer as a way to explore changing our minds, evolving our consciousness, and relating to machine consciousness. So it's really great when I hear a director say that he wants to create a Blade Runner-type universe for such a seminal novel in science fiction. Well, Gibson was one of the first people to really bring out the concept of wetware, which is the, the brain is machinery, and that was really the father of the whole cyberpunk uh, genre itself. What concerns me is that the way Splice looks, I wonder where we're going with this, how it's going to end up. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. The, there's Splice is such a an interesting movie, um, and it didn't quite go the way I expected it was going to go. Um, it, it, as so many recent sci-fi movies have, it veered away from the science fiction and tried to explore the human element. Um, and instead of viewing, you know, the the interaction between ourselves and the and the future that we're creating through genetic manipulation, you know. It, it tried to explore other things and so we'll see I mean he's not writing it he's directing it and I think that his view on the directing of it is is interesting and heck I'm excited. yeah now where they're saying they want to make it like Blade Runner I mean do you know anything as to have they said if they're going to be making sweeping changes like I mean Blade Runner as great a movie that as it is cuts out a lot of stuff from the Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Absolutely. Um, I think the, the thing is that, and, and if, you, if you want to, you should check out the story on Slash Film, because it's great. It's got a couple of quotes, both from the studio and from Vincenzo Natale. Um, but I think that what he's saying is he wants to avoid the blockbuster um, kind of movie-making ethos. You know, He doesn't want to make it into a rip-roaring, you know, guns blazing type of thing, because that's not the story that Neuromancer is. No. No, not at all. So I, I think that that's, I think that that's um, pretty cool, that he wants to keep it real and exciting, but he, he really wants to explore the themes of, instead of just using it as a basis for creating a cyberpunk movie. You know, have, it's, I'm sorry, go ahead, X. Uh, do they have an estimated release date? No, not yet. But the it's an official the the director was officially um, announced by Prodigy Pictures and um, so you know it it's definitely in the works. Um, Seven Arts Pictures is doing the financing for it, um, and then Prodigy Pictures is working on the production. So it, it's funny because when I when I saw that you posted this, the first question that came into my mind is what's happening with Tron 2. And I'm not sure why those two connect with me as being in the same place. Because Gibson is really nothing like that. No, no, it's a much different viewpoint on human-machine inter- interaction. Um, but I can see I can see where you're coming from there. I mean, I... I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody here, but Tron was not a very deep movie. No, it wasn't. It was, um, it was very much surface. And and I don't know if they're going to explore um, these same kind of themes in Tron Two because I don't know much, that much about the movie. I haven't seen it. Um, but you know, it has the potential to explore the same kind of themes as Neuromancer. I just I just hope that um, Natali keeps it real, keeps it. Um, well-founded in, in the, you know, the gritty world that Neuromancer is set in, because that's probably one of the best parts about the book. And, and for our listeners out there, uh, go to your used bookstore, grab the damn book and read it. <laughs> yeah. Grab the book and read it. Grab anything by Gibson that you can. I don't think he wrote a bad novel that I can, that I can think of offhand. It's well worth the read. And that way you have a baseline to know what the movie should be. And no, you shouldn't just wait for the movie. It is not a substitute. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Speaking of not a substitute, uh, Torchwood has finally gotten a renewal. 
Hooray! Yeah. Okay, I think everybody needs to stop the hoorays for just a little and be very worried. No. Because of the way, because of the way the renewal is taking place. The renewal is a. Uh, it's Disney, isn't it? No, <laughs> it's not Disney. It, well, it could have been Disney. It could have been, but it isn't. Ah, it's a small world after all. Oh, Stars, uh, a second-tier American pay channel, has struck an agreement with BBC One. Okay, but and- it's still airing on BBC. Stars is just chipping in cash, although it is going to be set in the United States. No. No, no, it is going to be set in both. It's going to be set across the world, but there will be the home that it always was. In Cardiff. But in Cardiff. No, that but got here... destroyed. It totally got destroyed. They came right back there. The whole concept of Torchwood is that it was founded to protect England. It's a strictly British organization. It's not UNIT. I know. I know. But here's, here's, that's not even my issue. My issue is this. Russell T. Davies. Yeah. Um, he went and took Torchwood to right to the edge of acceptability it's with his characters, uh, with his characterizations, with all of it. And what held him back was standards and practices BBC. And that's, in this case, was probably... I don't think that's true. I do. I think it's absolutely true. Why? What couldn't they show on the BBC? What they they can't show on the BBC is what they can't show on stars. Like what? Full frontal male nudity. Uh, No, I think the way they did it, they implied enough of it that it wasn't that big of a deal. But here's my problem. At this point, Russell Davies always had that little bit of an inhibitor. You so, know what it does. So you're saying Sci-Fi Saturday Night should go on record as advocating for full frontal male nudity in sci-fi shows? All right, sure. <laughs> Why not? Well, you know you're going to get what? much of a complaint from your female audience at the very least. Uh, I was going to say, Silver Circle... <laughs> All right, Jack. Wait, weigh in on this one for us. Give me the female. <laughs> I have seen enough boobs on television in various genres that I think some male, uh, you know, comeuppance is in order here. I mean, it's not like Jack hasn't gone to the very, very, very edge of that before on Doctor Who. True. Remember on Satellite Five, yeah, there was yeah, a conveniently yeah. placed gun. <laughs> where that came from that there nobody was. knows or we it's have so, no idea it's almost like a Mike Myers film at one point yeah so um, I, I really don't think that's the issue I think you're totally wrong well I, I, I think it will be an interesting you know partnership uh, and, and are we going to see the, uh, the Torchwood series come to the United States currently I was going to say though that Torchwood, except for Children of Earth, never really aired on BBC One. It was always on, like, one of those back channels. And also, on top of that, the British are really, really a lot more relaxed about sex on TV. Agreed. They're less relaxed about violence on TV. Yeah, they were more upset about the violence of Children of Earth than anything else. That's very true. So I would say, rather than thinking that he's going to go the sex route, I'd say he's going to get even more violent. Which, let's face it, for a British show, Torchwood was already really violent. Yeah, true. Very true. Very true. Yeah, well, how about this? Staying in the Doctor Who universe, um, I recently had the chance to play the Doctor Who adventure game. And I have to say that as a point-and-click adventure game, the game itself, not that enticing. The story, though, fantastic. In Yay. fact, I, I, was, I was kind of stunned at the fact that the story was so good. It felt like watching a Doctor Who episode and being involved in it at the same time. Um, wow. If you haven't heard about the Doctor Who adventure games, 
um, with the new cast with, uh, you know, Matt Smith and uh, Amy, uh, the new... just a little scrumptious deer now, isn't she? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, they... They, uh, they took those characters and they made them into a, a series of adventure games. And the first one was released um, earlier. Uh, uh, let me see. Let me, it, yeah, it was uh, just about two weeks ago, a little bit more than two weeks ago, in, in Britain for free um, to anyone who went to the BBC website. Um, and it's a PC download game. It's pretty, uh, I think it took me about an hour to get through. Um, which is about, you know, the same length as an, as an episode of Doctor Who. And it felt just like an episode of Doctor Who. It, it, you know, it, they wound up in 1963 England, and they found that the Daleks had completely crushed the entire race of humans. They were all dead. And so they had to correct time and save the last survivor of humanity, which is Amy Pond, and to go through a couple of different areas, including uh, destroyed London, and eventually you travel to the um, titular uh, location of the game, which is the city of the Daleks, and you play through basically what was a Doctor Who episode. It was written um, by, uh, let me see, I don't know who this one was written by, but it, they're, the games are written by Phil Ford and James Morgan. Um, Matt Smith and Karen Gillian Gillen had did did all the voiceovers. Um, all of the it's all it it feels just like a Doctor Who episode. It's it was a, an amazingly fun game to play. Awesome. And is it uh, available for PC and Mac? Uh, just PC, and it's only available in in Britain until I believe the fifteenth, when it's released for fifteen dollars in the U.S. Um, and I think that that's a little bit steep, but, you know, for fans of the series, it, it has replay value. There are collectibles if you're into that kind of thing. Um, but the great thing is that there are multiple games, including uh, an episode which will be uh, featuring the Cybermen. And um, so these will be coming out along with the series, and um, they fit into the timeline. So. Definitely, if you're a Doctor Who enthusiast, it's a must-play. Very, very cool. How are you feeling about uh, Matt Smith? I like him. He is adorable. He is. He's so cute. I haven't watched the latest episode, but um, he's just a doll. Really. Yeah, I know. We're, we're all waiting for the late. Get off the air to watch the latest episode. <laughs> you know. You know what? Too, I, I've sensed this shift, and it, my suspicion was confirmed in an interview. I don't offhand remember where that I read online that sa- that was with the writers, and the interviewer said, "Well, how do you write for Matt Smith opposed to David Tennant?" And they said, "We write for the Doctor. It's up to the actor to portray their Doctor, however they see fit." And I can definitely feel the. Um, continuity of it's still the same person in there but he's now a little bit different you know yeah I agree with you I agree with you completely with that Uh, I was very worried with Matt Smith uh, and it took him I think maybe three episodes to get comfortable with the skin but uh, his meat suit yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) but I like him I really do uh I, I, I hope he stays longer than Eccleston did. Or that won't be long. Yeah, that, that I would know. be one, one season. season. I, know. Jeez, I don't know. Don't set your hopes too high. Speaking uh, speaking of meat suits, did you guys get a chance to see the first production photo from The Walking Dead? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did, did you get a chance to see the the decay progression that they have on the blog on AMC? <laughs> No, I haven't seen yes. it. Go look it up. If you, if you just Google AMC Walking Dead, you can find it. And they have this really awesome animated GIF of their concept of how someone progresses from looking almost kind of human but a little moldy to, like, chest-sunken-in skeleton dead person. Like, it's fantastic. And they also had a video come out this week of Zombie School. Did you see that? 
No. I haven't seen that either. No. The, the production values on this are so high that they're not content just to do a fantastic job on the makeup. They're actually making sure all of their extras know how to walk and how a zombie in their situation would react. Like, how would a zombie get up from a chair? It's not something you would think about, but it's something that makes a huge difference if somebody does it wrong. My gosh, you know what? I I love 28 Days Later, uh, but I, 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 I do. I think it's one of the best zombie movies that I've ever seen. But I am so glad that we are finally getting, you know, back to The Walking Dead stuff. I mean, the comic, book, the comic book is, is amazing, you know, and, and this movie is just going to be... I, I, I hope that I'm not getting too hyped for it because it looks amazing. They well, seem like they're doing everything right. I think that people are going to be a little surprised, too, because, again, fans of the comic know there are whole stretches of the comic where you, there are no zombies. But it's such a, a passionately written story that you're just sucked right in. I, I think that they're hitting, all, they're hitting their stride with this one. And yeah. You know, I think that this is going to be a great movie. I think so, now, too. Well, it's going to be fantastic. Well, series. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a series, not just a... Series. Of course. Now, this, this is by the same people right. who brought us AMC's remake of The Prisoner. Okay. So let's, okay. let's uh, just keep our fingers crossed. Let's temper that just very slightly. Still yeah. haven't watched the new one, but the old one freaked and, me out. And that's why you're happy. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to watch the new I don't know if the old one made me happy. It made me fairly disturbed and afraid of balloons, but... <laughs> <laughs> Only on beaches, though. <laughs> so speaking of things that are starting up again soon, True Blood. Yes! Yes! You know, I just picked up the first season, and I haven't started watching it yet, but I'm afraid to, because I have the, I, I have the feeling that it's going to suck me in and... You know, know, okay, so here's my my thing with True Blood. I have seen everything. I have read all the books. And the first season was so good. They took that first book and they fleshed out characters. And they added subplots, but nothing ever took away from the story of the book. And the book's story was clearly there through the whole season. Season and two was a little different. However. Season two was really different. They yeah. took they took elements of a couple of books, and they took one subplot that was not more than a footnote in the book, and it was like the entire season. And it just went on too long. And I think it was just too much of a good thing. They were like, well, we were successful when we flushed it out in the first season, so let's, you know, take something and run with it for the second season. And it just was bad. Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know that season two was bad. Uh, it was bad to, compared to season one. Okay, compared to season one, yeah, it was. It was definitely a step downward from season one. It's still a very good series, and it still does a really, really good job of bringing these characters alive. Uh, it has diverted from the book considerably in season two. And according to the notes that I'm seeing in Entertainment Weekly, it's probably going to do that at least that much in season three. And I'll be honest with you, I don't care. I've really become invested in a lot of these characters, and I'm really enjoying real vampires as opposed to the sparkly little twinks that I'd like to shoot. Oh, uh, the vampires are fantastic. I would say that Eric is portrayed wonderfully. Yeah. Costa's our Twilight audience. Oh, okay, she's gone? Excellent. (laughs) Um, Actually, no one left. We're still good. (laughs) I'm keeping an eye. So all of you people out there, I see it when you leave. It hurts my feelings. I cry. Uh, Speaking of real vampires, um, new movie on the horizon. Oh, somebody just left to spite me. (laughs) (laughs) That was sad. Uh, Speaking of new new uh, media based on vampires, though, um, Blood of the Innocent is going to be produced as a film, uh, or, or he's he's thinking about it now. Blood of the Innocent, uh, Blood of the Innocent was a, a graphic novel, uh, a comic book series in the eighties, um, which and you just have to hear the premise for this for this comic book series to know that it's awesome, Dracula. Versus Jack the Ripper. 
<laughs> I mean. Yeah, okay. I'm in. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm completely in. I'm Abs. in. No I'm... questions. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, there, there's an article, there's actually a video um, over on fear.net um, with Mark Wheatley, who is one of the artists, or one of the writers on, on Blood of the Innocent, um, talking about the possibility of becoming a movie. And um, if you have a chance, go check it out because um, it's uh, that would be awesome. Pretty That's, excellent. Uh, oh, it was uh, drawn by Mark Hempel, so he did Sandman. Sandman Gregory. Oh, yeah, he's a good artist. Yeah. So now, wait, wait, now wait. This sounds suspiciously like a a Mansquito Network thing. This isn't by <laughs> Sci-Fi, is it? Uh, no, uh-huh. no, no. Um, I'm thinking. I don't know if he has a producer for it yet. All right. Um, it, but I swear to God, one more Sharktopus movie, and I've, I'm out. <laughs> Although Warehouse 13 opens next week, doesn't it? Yes. Next uh, season. Soon, if not next week. I think yeah. it's next week, and uh, to, you know, I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, also, Eureka. Yep. And Will Wheaton is going to guest star this season sometime. Hooray! Well, they've done something different with Eureka. They've actually uh, they've uh, moved the setting slightly. Uh, they've done some time shifting. Uh, they're being very coy about what it is. But uh, the first couple of, if you go to uh, Sci-Fi Networks uh, or Sci-Fi Networks, whichever you prefer, uh, <laughs> website. Okay. Mike might be out there listening right now. He will. Hey, he Mike. Will cry. How you doing? No, don't cry. It's okay. And besides, Mike, you were supposed to be on. What's the deal? Yeah, Mike and Min. Seriously. Calling Call you me. out, you son of a bitch. Call we're calling me. you out now. We miss you. That's right. But on their uh, on their website, they've got a couple of uh, two three minute clips that show it in a very film noirish look, and I, I'm really liking it. Nice. So, actually, you know what the best thing they did with Eureka? I've, I've heard this idea bantered around a couple of times now, where the Sci-Fi Network could very plausibly, with all of their popular shows, have a pretty, pretty con- continuous universe. So, Eureka and Warehouse 13 and Sanctuary, or whatever... Could technically all exist simultaneously in the same place. Wow. And they're doing it. At least with Eureka and Warehouse 13. There will be crossover. Can we, can we, just, can yeah. we just kill Sanctuary? Uh, yeah, what? we can pretend I didn't say Sanctuary. That's okay. <laughs> okay, no, I just couldn't think of another show that would totally work for that. It makes, wait me, until, it makes wait my until, heart cry. I know, me too. Uh-huh. Wait until the episode, though, where they, they unfreeze Captain America, then find Thor's hammer. Oh. Finish the whole crossover thing there. <laughs> yeah, that comment just flopped and died. And it would still be better than Smallville. And, uh, well, well, but, but speaking about doing things with, uh, with series, Granny, uh, you had some news about Supernatural. I did. Supernatural is becoming... A very cool anime box set. What they're doing is they're going to adapt some of their favorite episodes to anime, and there will be new episodes in anime. And Eric Kripke, the the producer, creator of Supernatural, is the one behind it, so it's not going to suck. But I am a little bit nervous as to how Supernatural is going to look for the new season. But the anime scene, I think it'll translate really well. I'm aren't, sure it'll be all just the characters as good. What? Aren't all the characters dead? The main characters? Supernatural? No. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking about something else. But, I mean, if you think about Supernatural, like, they don't really take themselves that seriously. They know they're kind of a third-rate monster show, and they poke fun at themselves all the time. They're super meta. Like, for instance, their writer is kind of on the show as a prophet, and it's really funny. And they have Supernatural conventions. Okay, come on. It's super funny. And I think that totally translates into anime very well. I'm sure it'll be just as good as Witchblade, the animated series. Oh. Witchblade was an animated series? <laughs> or Elf, the animated series. That was awesome. Ah! Ah! That was I awesome. Who didn't like that? I loved it. You and I used to watch it every Saturday morning, for God's sake. I know. I think you're trying to diss Supernatural, but I don't get it. 
It's very confusing. Stop. Hey. Uh, well, bef- wait. Before we get to, th- we're at the halftime, and before yes, we get we to the trivia question, yeah. um, I did want to just throw out a quick sci- science fiction science fact of the week. Dun dun dun. Um, if anyone's been watching the skies, Jupiter, the planet Jupiter, is changing. This is not fantasy. This is real. <laughs> this uh, is not a drill. Jupiter's bands are starting to disappear. Like. And it's not like, well, over the course of the last 8 million years, it's like it went past the sun, and when it came out the other side, they're like, um, where did all the bands go? Yeah. Well, now, now it just, it lost one of its bands. Yeah, a big one. <laughs> well, everything on Jupiter is big. But yeah. it, this does happen from time to time. In, in fact, uh, it happens about every 15 years that the bands on Jupiter change. And they, they say that it's because of a, a large impact that uh, was made on the side of Jupiter by, I think, a meteor? There was a big brown, like, spot yeah. on a while back. Right, they're not it... sure what the object was. It, it crashed, something crashed into Jupiter last July, and, it, and they think that might have something to do with it. Now, keep in mind, it's the year 2010. In the film and the book 2010, the monolith crashes into Jupiter and it turns into the sun. And we're very close to 2012, and you know what that means? Nothing. That means sponsorship. (laughs) (laughs) Which I suppose will be the end of the world. What's the trivia question? It will be for us. Hey, it is time for trivia, isn't it? Brianna, what are we giving away tonight? Um, Tonight we are giving away a print by the lovely and talented Sarah Richard. It is Gambit, which I believe we have given away before, but we have another one because every time we see her, she just throws stuff at us because we love her so much. Tonight's trivia question is, name the movie this phrase comes from. Shall we play a game? And to our number one fan, you know who you are. I recognized your restraint last week. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) We're very proud of you. You can jump all over this one. Go ahead. We won't blame you. Unless you already have this print. You might. I don't know. I don't know. And at this point in time, can we bring in uh, Radio Albertson? Radio? Absolutely. Give me five seconds. Hang on. Four. Three. Two. Oh, look. Five seconds later. Hi, Radio. How are you? Good evening. And joining us for the second half hour, it's Radio Albertson and Jackie Musto from Silver Circle Movies. Howdy, howdy, hi, guys. <laughs> Hello. Hi there. <laughs> okay. Uh, we were at Granite Con, and the booth for Silver Circle was right next. And you guys were auditioning screens. Which was super fun. As well as headache-inducing, but yes, well, super we fun. Like breaking the screens, so... <laughs> That was great fun. So what was that all about? Tell us about what you guys are doing. Tell us about what's going on with it. So we are uh, independent animation studio based in Cambridge, Mass. And we've been working on, uh, for about a year now, uh, our own feature film, full length. We would love to get it into movie theaters. at the very least, we'll have awesome DVDs and release it uh, on the web and all that stuff. But theater is the goal. Um, and we're trying to do a sort of dystopian story set in a world of the tyrannical government. And everything's gone terribly wrong and the rebels are fighting back. The quote on the website is, when they control the money, they control everything. So tell us about the storyline. <laughs> well, our uh, our storyline is 
So the uh, the Federal Reserve is actually the villain. And so if you're... <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. So for, uh, you know, economists will really be into this movie. And I think people, you know, Ayn Rand fans will enjoy it. Um, but we want it to be for everyone as well. So. Okay, I was going to say, did I, I skip economy, economics in college? Will I still get it? Um, I think so. I'm, you know, I don't have any economics background. I went to film school, so. Okay. You know, we want it to be maybe especially fun for people who are, are into that sort of thing, but really like enjoyable by everyone, whether genre fans or economists or. So, so <clears throat> economy nerds are going to love mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. I never thought of that as a genre before. <laughs> it's news to me. That's kind of cool, though. But even more so, this is an animated film, correct? That's right. Mm -hmm. So what so, kind of animation are you using? So we do um, 3D animation. Maya is the main program. And our background is we made films uh, about like mathematics, pretty much, about economics, about finance, and slowly transitioned into stuff that's a little more fun, more entertaining. And then we said, well, we can use this. We could make a movie. Um, and so the, the studio has grown a bit. We have several more people now working with us. Um, and we're trying to make this thing a reality. So we've been doing tests. We've been getting reference. We've been collecting screams. And uh, we're trying to, to do a whole thing. So full 3D animation. Um, Maybe not quite like Avatar, but <laughs> sort of, sort of Tron meets Wall Street. Well, don't set the bar too high. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but I now, think Scanner Darkly was a big inspiration for the visual style. That's that had a right, nice right, style. Right. I really like that one. Mm -hmm. That was that was kind of like a a an electronic rotoscoping. Mm -hmm. to a large yeah, degree. that now, was like the most painstaking animation sure. process possible drawing over all of those frames um but we do we do something a little bit similar where we we film real actors um and use that as reference for the 3d animation that's so cool wow very cool now you say you've been doing this for about a year i mean do you have a uh, like a target uh, release date in mind um we're going for spring 2011 we're hoping to start principal photography with the actors in our green screen studio in Cambridge um, in a month or two. Okay. So you're putting the call out for actors everywhere? Yeah, we're, we're getting to that point. We're actually right now working on a video for Kickstarter. Uh, oh, we love them. Yes, what a great, that's a great website. Yeah, it seems we, I know some people who've done animation who've had good success using that. And so we're trying to, you know, we're a small studio. We don't have a huge budget. We don't have financial backers. So we're trying to get some money to do a casting call. Excellent. Well, now, when you get that Kickstarter page set up, definitely send it over to us so that we can put it up on our website. Mm -hmm. Great, yeah, we'll definitely will. Absolutely. Now, what do each of, uh, each of the two of you uh, individually contribute to the process? So I'm the uh, animation director, so I'm pretty much in charge of what you see on screen. So taking the footage that we shoot and telling the animators what to do, breaking apart um, what we need to do, defining the sets, defining the characters, and kind of like putting the whole thing together. And I, I also I do special effects myself, so stuff like pouring water, fire explosions, that kind of thing. And, and then Jackie's uh, Jackie's parts of the concept art, but I'll let her talk about that. Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty much all of the 2D work that you'll see in and around the site. I do uh, the character concept drawings originally, so when they throw like the main character out at me, they give her me a description of what kind of clothes she wears and what the personality's like, and I bang out something about what she looks like, and then Ray will take that and turn that into the 3D rendering of it. And I also have done a lot of the set designs where they'll tell me what kind of room they need or what kind of area they need, and I'll sort of design that out so when the animators go to build it, they'll know where to put everything and what that should look like, what kind of textures, you know, um, color choice and that sort of thing. 
So who wrote the original story? Well, it was sort of a collaboration um, between the people that we had in the office. The, uh, so the director, Pasha Roberts, uh, Ben Pugh, the editor, uh, and myself. And we had we sort of started working on ideas for it. But we actually we have a uh, writer in Hollywood working on it now, finalizing the script and uh, you know, getting all the, the words right and all that stuff. So we, we, we're go going ahead, back I'll and see. forth and we go back and forth and tweak things, you know, because it's, it's our story, but none of us are writers. So you really need someone who knows how to do a script. Right. Wow. Um, Fancy right. pants Hollywood writer. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I got to say, you know, looking at your website, this is wonderful wonderfully interactive with your target audience i mean mm -hmm. kickstarter itself is is such a wonderful tool to reach the audience but um there's a, a tab here you can help mm -hmm. <laughs> join our mailing list join our facebook you know fine follow the progress on the production blog watch the sources above for screenings and house parties in your area as the mm -hmm. ideas develop, join in online discussions of the ideas at the heart of the movie. So are you saying that, like, if preliminary feedback, you know, goes one way, you could actually change the, the way the film is going to be written? Oh, definitely. <laughs> so test audience right from the start? Yeah, we love uh, we love talking to our, our audience, like going to shows like Granite State... Uh, comic-con boston comic-con um we've also gone to some libertarian conventions uh because that's the kind of people who'd really like a movie where the fed is the villain and get into it <laughs> yes. yeah we're doing a poster contest as well you can see that on our website it's uh, silvercirclemovie.com and, we'll and yeah we try and really interact with the fans because i think that's it's hard to get people excited about a movie that's more than a year off and by letting them contribute and participate and have a discussion, I think it makes it more exciting for us that we're not working in a vacuum, but more exciting for the fans as well. Now, tell me about this house party idea. Because <laughs> I think I might want to have one. <laughs> um, I actually don't know anything about that. I think it's a fundraising <laughs> type of thing. I see. I'm, I'm thinking here now, now, Sci-Fi Saturday Night, how can we help you? Yeah, absolutely. What can we host? We we are very skilled at throwing parties. Yeah, we <laughs> do those very well. I mean, one of us can draw, maybe one of us can sing, but really <laughs> what we bring to the table is our personalities. Mm. <laughs> well, lack thereof is the case, maybe. No, I, I think we all have pretty... <laughs> Pretty distinct personalities, if nothing else. <laughs> Our shining faces. Okay, well, she, that's for she, sure. She she's trying to be polite and and warm warm us into the film somehow. So you no, know. No, not at all. I was just saying more that than... we could we could help with announcing it on the show, or mm -hmm. we're get, we're gonna do something with the brown coats with their screenings and can't stop the serenity. We could host that and have the food drive with them so we, we do all sorts of stuff and we would absolutely love to help you guys promote your film oh, sounds yeah. fantastic yeah so when we i guess the house parties we that's where we uh invite a bunch of fat cats and impress them with our awesome clips and our pitch and get them to give us money okay so if you know really anyone with a lot of money, money. <laughs> send them our way <laughs> we have personality no money whatsoever sorry yeah. that's why we're a podcast <laughs> <laughs> But then, uh, yeah, so if you guys can definitely help us out and get out the word when we've got some more clips, and then in exchange, we can sneak you into the background of some of the scenes. You could be hanging out at the bookstore where the rebels go. I like bookstores. Just send me your picture, and I'll whip up some sort of uh, revolutionary costumes for you all, and we'll, we'll put you in there. It'd be fabulous. That would be so much fun. Yeah, the Jackie's the best with the costume designs. She has some, some really cool ones, especially for our uh, rebel heroes. Hey, Jackie, if you'd like to do that, we'll post we'll post the uh, cast of Sci-Fi Saturday Night as cast members of this movie on our website. And on our Twitter and on our Facebook and everywhere else that we can think of. 
We would absolutely do that. That would be that would be great. I would love to turn you guys into rebels because they have got to be my favorite thing to draw. Um, I've drawn about nine million people in suits, so whenever they say draw, <laughs> it's like my brain goes, "Oh yes, thank God, finally!" And I get to draw like crazy belts and you know spike boots and crazy things like that. Hooray! Yeah. That sounds yeah. awesome. We're we're all about selling ourselves out like this. We put the pro in prostitution. They didn't call me a whore for nothing. That's going to be the second Brown Coats movie eventually, sometime when they decide to make it. There goes the Disney audience. (laughs) Once again, we've alienated (laughs) Disney. Son of a bitch, what have I done? Uh, I don't know. If you're just going to get rid of Twilight and Disney, those are two groups I think you could afford to lose. I don't know, because Disney owns Marvel now, so you got to be a little careful. Mm. I prefer to think of them as separate entities for the moment. Well, what you prefer and what's a reality are not the same thing. Does that mean we're going to see Marvel characters in the next Kingdom Hearts game? Because that's just... (laughs) (laughs) We can hope. We're going to see Iron Man in the Electric Light Parade is what we're going to see. Yeah. (laughs) Big parade. Oh, Lord, help us. Why the hell that ever happened? I'm going to take a minute just to pimp the comic book as well, because mm. I did oh, that, and that's amazing. So, yeah. Oh, go for it. What is um, it? Yeah, so basically what we've done is we've taken um, sort of a preliminary scene and one of the scenes from the interior of the movie, and we've illustrated them into a comic. Eventually, the whole thing is going to be done as soon as I get my hands on that delicious script, and then I get to start uh, going nuts with that. But the comic is essentially a little preview of what the rest of the comic is going to be and what the movie is going to be. And that is uh, for sale. I'm sure we can pop you over the link if you, any of the viewers might be interested. I've signed all of them. So when I'm Ooh. super famous and when the movie is nice. super famous, it'll be worth a billion dollars on eBay. Only so a billion. Um, awesome. Yeah, and pretty much... Uh, going to be a little preview of the movie and we're going to be putting it up a couple pages at a time as soon as i get cranking that out a little teaser so you'll know what's going on in that as well so cool now now does the comic book have any information that um wouldn't be available in the movie like is there like prequel sequel information there there's a little prequel um, in, especially the one that I just did, where it talks a little bit about uh, Zoe's personality to begin with. Zoe's the main character of the film, uh, the female lead. So it's a little bit about her in there as well. Um, I'm definitely, when I get the script, I try to show angles or you know pieces of it that may not necessarily be in there. Try to take my own little take on it. So it's definitely going to be different than the final film in some ways, um, but, it, but it will follow the structure of the film as well. So now, it's not like it's going to be completely different or anything. But. Now, let me ask you, uh, the comic book is going to be your own 2D artwork, correct? That's right. Okay, but the, the film is going to be rendered in 3D. Mm-hmm. Right, so, not like 3D, uh, you know, um, Michael Jackson experience 3D, but like 3D in the background. <laughs> <laughs> the well, first I'm time. <laughs> What prompted you to to go that way instead of just doing, like, taking stills from, you know, the finished film once it is finished and doing it as a fumetti? Because I do do 2D artwork and they pay me for that, so I was really... Job security. Excellent. Magic words. Hey. It's the the magic of art. Yeah. I would rather have the art anyway. I don't know about everyone else, but I think the art is special. I do, too. I would agree. (laughs) Yeah, the comic book is awesome, and it also, it does sort of inspire us as well, besides the the comic art, but just the way that she colors things and draws things can influence the lighting that we use in the 3D scenes. But yeah, the the comic book is very cool, and it's sort of a quicker way to get the story out. Now, is the comic book only available through your site, or, or is it going to be available through the local comic stores and conventions? Yeah, we're trying to get them through into local stores, and I'm pretty sure whenever we go to the conventions, we're bringing big tons of them with us, but they're also available online for the most part, too, so if you can't make it come see us, or if you don't have it near you, you can always go there as well. Or maybe we could drop by your studios in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, I'm excited for this. I mean, again, it's rare enough that you get an economic thriller 
uh, like like this mixed with sci-fi, but to be animated. I mean, this is this sounds like it's going to be something really special. Where do you guys, after the movie's done, I mean, what's next? Where do you see yourselves in five years? <laughs> what are you a bad date? <laughs> uh, how many kids? And uh, I like cats. Wow! You know you nailed him perfect because that's exactly what he is. And, uh, well, I, I think one thing, if this goes well, we'd love to do more feature films. We'd love to be able to uh, take a story that someone has, if there's an interesting sort of genre script that someone's written, they want to give us you know, a million dollars, and we'll make it. Can I we'll tell you something? We'll have our process down. We can do it quickly. We can do it much more cheaply than Hollywood and do it in a, a cool uh, animated style. I think that's something that we would really would enjoy doing. Unfortunately, I think the people with the really cool stories generally don't have a million dollars. Otherwise, great idea. <laughs> well, that's the nice thing about the internet, I guess. True. And the people that have a million dollars generally don't know what the hell to do with it. That's they true. Crappy movies like uh, Mansquito. Mansquito. <laughs> Sharktopus. Sharktopus. Time to drink. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get a good story and then find a different person with a million dollars. There you go. So if anybody is out there with a million dollars and they don't know what to do with it, uh, contact either uh, Pasha and Ray or me, you know, whichever of us, and, and you can just write a check and we'll be sure that it goes to uh, a good a good uh, source for that. Awesome. Awesome. We'll totally not buy you a car, right? No, I don't need a car. Um, I've always wanted a pony, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> That sounds so familiar. I'm not even going Why? there. Exactly. Who wanted the pony and some army men? Oh, never mind. So here's a question for you guys. Yeah, yeah. That we have. Um, now, one thing, because we're doing this, most of the actors are being replaced. We're thinking, well, we could just use, you know, local actors, students, people like that. But we've also wondered... Is it important? Does it make an animated film better, more popular, more easy to sell if you have big names? I mean, how do you feel about when you watch an animated film and they've got Ewan McGregor as the lead robot or I what hate have it when you? They have big names. I would rather they find someone who's competent and capable at voice acting, and sometimes that crosses over, and sometimes it really, really doesn't. Yeah, many times yeah. it doesn't make the crossover work worth a damn. Mark Hamill got to be very good at it. Mm. Uh, yeah. But for every Mark Hamill that was out there, there were like 10 or 15 really bad ones. I think the, the key is, and always will be, is a, a good actor, a good voice actor. And the name... Not so much, because if you, you know, if you see that 60 second spot or that 30 second YouTube clip and you go, wow, that's an engaging character. You it's know, not going to matter whose voice it was. It really doesn't. Unless you see their face, honestly, it, it really, I could care less. Although I am the type of person, for example, who remember like 10 years ago or whatever, when they brought Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon to the United States. Yes, yes. And uh, they redubbed it with a whole, like, celebrity oh, cast. Yeah, and it was uh, horrible. I about that. That's awful. Uh -huh. That was the most horrible thing ever. And yeah. I feel like it's the same thing with animated films. I feel like it detracts when you try to force people into it just for the benefit of who they are. Whereas the subtitled version of that movie was fantastic. Well, it, it's also funny because, like, uh, the animated film that just came out last year, How to Train Your Dragon, mm. DreamWorks, uh, has perhaps one of my favorite, favorite actors in the world in it. And I didn't recognize that it was him, uh, Craig Ferguson. Oh, well, he's you great. Know, <laughs> and he's terrific in that movie, and it's, it's a terrific character. Well, you know, I mean, most of us process the, the majority of a our information visually. 80% of our information uh, acquisition is, is visually. So I think most of what we recognize from big name actors is their visual presence on the screen. And when you take that away, uh, you know, I, I've found oftentimes that I don't recognize actors when they're doing voice work. Yeah. Um, 
Right. And and I think that whereas uh, you know a good actor is a good actor, and you know they will that usually translates to their vocal work the same. It is it's a whole different beast. When you're doing vocal work, you're not doing the same things as when you're you know acting in front of a camera or on stage. So you know I think that it's it, what's most important is that the people doing the work for you guys are comfortable in the studio and know how to create a character um, with their voice. And no one does that better than podcast hosts. Just saying. We're just saying. You know, it works. And, and I'll give you the perfect example of it. If you look at the, uh, the video of... Uh, Three weeks ago, when we did the Brown Coats podcast, well, you don't have to because that was really uncomfortable. <laughs> no, no, you kind of do have to because if you look at what's going on there and you close your eyes, the podcast is still there, and we were having a great time. But you look at these people, then they look very uncomfortable, and they're uncomfortable in front of the camera, and they're staring at each other, and, and there were hot lights. It was not okay. <laughs> I didn't know they were bringing the camera guy until he showed up. And what are you just going to tell him? No. Guys, I guess it screams for uh, audition tape then. I guess give me your favorite movie quote in the best voice that you can that you would think the character would sound like. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Rosebud. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well. Oh, God, mine would be from Heavy Metal the Movie, another animated film. <laughs> Stern! He's <laughs> low-down, double-dealing, backstabbing, <laughs> larcenous pervert. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Burning's too good for him. He should be torn into itsy pieces and buried alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he gets the phone at my day job. <laughs> That's awesome. Wait, wait, no, don't show them how you answer the phone at your day job. Kill the elf. What's your favorite no, color? That's the way I answer the phone. Oh, that's Peter right. Gordon Shumway. Oh, yo, Lucky, what's happening? You know, I'm gonna get that cat, Gordon. Gordon Shumway here. Okay, that was the suckiest elf you've ever done in your life. Yeah, thank you. Oh, but I could always do this one and do my Bangalore way. Did you guys see that, by the way? What? That they're actually doing, uh, uh, they've got a sitcom set for the fall. What? The guy. Musical? No. Bangalore tech support guy is going, hi, I'm from Connecticut, and uh, hey, go Mets. (laughs) And I'm going, oh my God, this is like everybody's worst nightmare. That sounds awesome. Uh, Are you kidding me? (laughs) No, no, I'm not kidding you. This, this, that sounds this. like Better Off Ted, but from India. <laughs> Which, how can you go wrong? Oh, any number yeah. of things. I know, but it all, they're all hilarious. Uh, God. Uh, Jackie um, and uh, Radia, I actually know someone who has done voice work for uh, anime before, and she actually is affiliated with Anime Boston. So I'll be more than happy to forward you uh, some contact information afterwards. Yeah, that sounds great. We're yeah. definitely looking for people. So, and, and as Kriana said, we're we're more than willing to pimp ourselves out anytime. So yeah, you guys should should come over, visit the studio. You know, we'll do a little screen test and get some of that podcast voice magic. As I say, we have we have thirty eight episodes of audition tapes. Take your pick. <laughs> I'm the one who sounds like Harlan Ellison. <laughs> but we do have a very special piece of equipment that our actors have to get used to. Uh-oh. Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> Is it the board queen? Because... I'm good with that. I'm fine with that. All of our uh, actors, all of our scenes are recorded with helmet cams. Oh, really? Yes, because we need to get reference of the person's face when they're talking to get good lip sync with our animation. And so we have, uh, it's basically the inside of a hard hat with a uh, boom sticking off of it and a little tiny camera aiming back at the person's face. That's kind of (laughs) cool. So anyone who can act with one of those, you know, is a really special actor. I'm thinking that my mustache is going to throw the referencing off, though. (laughs) 
But, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you could try them on, you know. They're very, they can be a bit awkward. We were filming a love scene for one of our tests, and as the actors were about to kiss, they kept getting their booms tangled together. <laughs> that sounds like a euphemism on which to end. <laughs> Careful. Hey-o. Careful. Hey-o. I was going to say, we should, we should go pay a visit and, like, get our picture taken with these things on, because that would be really cool. <laughs> cool is relative, but yes, you should. <laughs> well, seeing as Kriana, the uh, Austin Brighton Helmoth is close by, I'll be expecting a field trip fairly soon. Okay, sure. Whenever you guys have time. I mean, I go through Cambridge on a daily basis, so... <laughs> Absolutely. I work all the way down in Charlestown. It's kind of right in the middle there. Hmm. Very cool. So, what kind of time frame are we looking at for the movie, for the release of the comics? What's where? Where are we at in the grand timeline? We are very close to having the script ready, and as soon as we have that, we can really ramp up production. We have most of our major characters uh, have been built in 3D and textured and rigged, and they're ready to go. We have a lot of the sets done, um, but we just need to get the last few tweaks done on the story. And so we're going to start getting actors very soon, uh, start filming the next couple months, and then we're hoping in a year or so that the movie will be done and we'll be hopefully getting release. Um, But during that time, we want to start doing the comic book, um, either pages online or in sections in print if possible so that that'll be keep going you know to fill the gap in between now and the release date it it would be really cool when the movie came out to have a full graphic novel of the movie at the same time that would be cool jackie (laughs) oh no that'll totally be done i'm just waiting for that tasty script for me to get started on that (laughs) (laughs) hey guys plus buck passing yeah, but <laughs> Jackie, as an artist, you have artistic license. It's true, but you know, if I if I drew everybody in panda costumes, I think Pasha would start yelling at me. Though I really got to be careful on that one. That would be kind of cool, actually. Panda yeah. costumes. You could draw you the know, sign by Saturday Night Crew in panda costumes. We wouldn't yell at you. No. It's <laughs> like a special uh, insert illustration. It's going to be just the entire cast in, in panda outfits. <laughs> I love it. I think you need to. I think you need to release a coloring book. I'm going to say this to everyone now because one of my favorite artists at Granite Con released a coloring book, and I went out and bought like some really nice colored pencils, and I have been coloring on that thing, and I've been like reading online online for coloring tips for colored pencils, and I've been totally getting into it. And I am not an artsy person. He's not. No, you're not. At least not in the pen and paper sense. So I think a coloring book would be a fantastic idea. That would be pretty, pretty interesting. Um, do you guys, do you guys prefer that like the comic would come out in order of the actual script, or would you want to just see random scenes, or would that be a little bit too much? Um... I'm thinking a linear progression of the script would be awesome. As long as there's nudity, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and pandas. And pandas. Nudity. And pandas. I'm going to start sneaking pandas in everywhere now. They're just going to be in the background randomly. I wouldn't wouldn't just do random chapters. You'd want to have continuity because that way you're leading up and leading up and you're hooking them, and that way the payoff will be the movie itself. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. How about just randomize all the panels? Yeah, that's it. Oh, there you go. Sure. We'll, we'll put them all out in, in random order, and then if you can figure out what order they go in, then you get a special prize. Then you make you make a Rubik's cube out of all the different comics. Oh, then you have too much time on your hands. Yeah, <laughs> that is for sure. And on that note, another hour <laughs> has flown by, ladies and gentlemen. I know it sounds da, 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 da. ridiculous, but a little song, a little dance, good a little house. seltzer in your pants. Only you. Mm. Uh-huh. So, I, so on that note, it's it's that time for the coming up calendar, right? It is that time. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, coming up, 
next week, we have the return of artist and fan favorite Frankie B. Washington, who's returning to talk about his new comic book series, Zombies vs. Cheerleaders, which I don't believe has anything to do with the Fed. The week after that, we have another doubleheader show where the, with the writing team of Gregory Norris and Laura Van Bleh, Laura Van Fleet, <laughs> not Laura Van Bleh. Wow. Uh, they have written episodes of Star Trek Voyager, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and written for Sci-Fi Network magazine. How the crap did we get them? Uh, because I have connections. Wow. Come here. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun. <laughs> Do you sell your soul see, again? Hey, you, you ought to see the ones I'm working on, too. Oh. Uh, but you can meet Sci-Fi Saturday Night's Illustrator X in person at the Double Midnight 8th Anniversary Party on Saturday, June 26th from 11 to 3 in Manchester, New Hampshire. Go to dmcomics.com for details. That's in Manchester, New Hampshire. The You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music is provided by Zanoise. Pick up their CD, The Benevolent Beast, on iTunes. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Ah, and that brings us to an end of what is an end. Because that's an end. Jackie Radia, it's a pleasure having you on with us tonight. Please keep surprised of what's going on, and don't forget, if you need podcast people in the movie you know where to go yes thanks very much thank you guys the only podcast that's worth a darn thanks for listening to tonight's edition of sci-fi saturday night from the finished sauna and massage parlor next to the 24-hour private film noir gin mill at the hard rock hotel and casino in area 51 from the four color vault of comics in manchester new hampshire thank you illustrator x to be continued as always. From Erie, Indiana, awake by Java, who was actually awake for the whole show and wanted to be on last week, and somehow we didn't quite make that happen. Yes. That's cool. Hey, I'm glad you're with us, buddy. Absolutely. And from the Alston Brighton Hellmouth in Boston, Brianna, thanks for all you do, hon. You're welcome. I'm just gonna get my boom mic tangled in a minute here. Um <clears throat> <laughs> uh, I'm just hoping that's not a euphemism. This is the dome saying, Gene, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. Mm-hmm.